Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Leah Garvin line. Leah, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. Why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the conversation. Yeah. So I am Leah Garvin, author of the book, Unstuck, Reframe Your Thinking to Free Yourself from the Patterns and People that Hold You Back. I'm also an organizational effectiveness consultant and coach uh, and, and spent about a decade working in tech on forming effective and inclusive team dynamics. So super excited to be doing that off on my own and, and making uh, more of a, a reach across that work. It's incredibly important work. And as you know, this and a lot of people have discovered over the last couple of years, we've had some interesting challenges when it comes to working with others. Uh, back, you know, before the pandemic, we, you know, most of us were in the office. Yeah, maybe some yeah. of us worked remote from time to time, or you work remote because you have an office across the country, across the planet. Yeah. So that would be kind of remote, I guess. But ultimately, when we were all sent home in March of 2020, all of a sudden we had to learn how to work. And then of course people are hiring and you know organizations are going, okay, how do we hit our DEI targets when we haven't even really met this person? Yes, through Zoom or you know, or Google Meet or whatever the case may be, yeah, you don't get that same dynamic. So what were some of the observations you had when all of this stuff was rolling out. Yeah. I mean, I think in early in the in the pandemic, everyone is kind of in emergency mode. We're like, we'll patch it together. We're just trying to get through this. And I think unfortunately for work related to inclusion, as you alluded to, like it sort of was, okay, we just need it. We're in survival mode. We'll focus on inclusion and and sort of doing the right behaviors later. And the problem was this emergency mode's gone on two and a half years, right? And so I think um, some some companies did a better job than others of really thinking about it, probably some teams within companies of thinking, okay, we need to make sure with all of this change and uncertainty and chaos that we're doubling down on, on being inclusive as far as not only who we're hiring, but how do we get more people into the conversation? How are we making decisions? Um, you know, this introvert, extrovert sort of came up as a new kind of of, of dynamic that wasn't as um, talked about as much in the workplace. Like I think early in the in the pandemic, folks were saying the pandemic's working from home is an introvert's dream and an extrovert's nightmare. And I think introverts were saying, well, I can't really get a word in edgewise in a hundred person Zoom call. So it's not really a dream. And so I think there was a new understanding of the differences in communication styles and and how to how to be inclusive or or the need to be more inclusive around how do we engage people through whether it's you know polls or chats or, or different off kind of asynchronous communication um, that definitely came up as you mentioned um, distributed teams beca- became more and more common so people working all over the world and and probably hiring more all over the world now were differences in communication styles the ways decisions are made the way feedbacks delivered 
And then just, you know, being inclusive around meeting times, right? Like having stuff not be at nine o'clock at night for some time zones or, um, you know, everyone being, um, you know, scheduling things on a day that may be a holiday in another region. So um, just all this stuff that I think was, it was definitely there under, or under the surface or just above the surface became really in the forefront and teams and organizations had to look at it Um head on. And, and I think something that surfaced really quickly, which I know you talk a lot about is people were already kind of burned out and now they're way burned out (laughs) after having to get through all of this. So that I think became way more in the conversation as well. There's a lot of things that came to light (laughs) with this pandemic. It flushed some things out. It moved initiatives forward that probably would have been rolling out in 2030, maybe 2035. We had to roll them out almost instantaneously uh, with collaborations and the the work that we see and all of that. And one thing I want to go back on real quick, a story about introverts and extroverts. A couple colleagues of mine that I worked with an organization several years ago. One is poster child introvert. One is poster child extrovert. And when the pandemic happened, you know, the introvert, you thought, okay, this person's going to love this. They can stay home, they can work remotely and not have to deal with people. And the extrovert is probably going to have some problems and they're going to be like, I I need to see people, uh, what's going on. It was the polar opposite for both of them. The the extrovert was like, I don't care if I ever see the inside of an office ever again. And the introvert was basically begging the organization, can I at least come in one day a week with a couple people? We'll keep our distance, wear masks, all that good stuff. I just need to see people. So it was like, okay, well, completely misdiagnosed that assessment yeah. of those people. But that's what we found out is the dynamics of, of humans uh, in our varying ways of interaction and what we need is what is going to make work really interesting over the next few years as organizations try to design things that can meet the needs of everybody and not the quintessential classic square box type of here it is type of thing. Because I think in many situations, there's a lot of people that just are not interested in going back to that type of work environment. There are, of course, some that you know thrive in that environment. And I think we'll have varying degrees of what work looks like across the spectrum, but ultimately mm-hmm. just figuring out what makes sense for you know, the organization, it's people. Don't forget your customers, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I hammer that home a lot when I talk with people. It's like, okay, how does this impact the customer? Yeah. That, uh, it's, you know, everybody's a customer. Your employees are a customer. You, the owner's a customer. Everyone's a customer. How does that impact that? So, you know, the conversation is going to be really interesting as we, as we proceed over the next two or five years anyway, to see how yeah. this all sorts out. Hopefully it sorts out to something. Yeah. It's going to land on something. Yeah. And I think the point you're making, I, I completely agree with is like, it's going to, it may take different shapes, even within an organization by role or by the need at that moment or by the need of the customer. And that, we we really saw this one sort of way of working or, or kind of a primary 
way, which was in most situations going into this, going to an office, being co-located, all that um, is that's like blown up completely. And so now, what are the pieces of that that work? Like you said, I think there's, you know, it's there's still a lot of real, like value for you know in-person collaboration, meeting people. Um, I think it can. Uh, in, in many situations, create faster bonds, more trust, and you can do that remotely and across using other tools, you know, if done intentionally. But I think what we saw w- was sort of, let's just kind of like patch it together and do everything the same way only on video conference. And that was pretty tough on people. And, and I think people rose to the occasion. And I think there's, you know, it's undeniable across most industries, especially tech. I was working in that people delivered, like work, work continued, you know, companies did really well. And so I think um, as, as organizations are looking at, you know, belt tightening and, and everything now, I really, um, I, I, I hope there's some credit giving to the fact that people really rose to, you know, to over deliver in this incredibly chaotic, stressful, uncertain time um, when they, in many cases, had kids at home, caretaking, all these things like that. There should be a recognition of that. I really hope that's the case, because I think another thing that can lead to burnout and, and feeling like, what am I even doing here? Wanting to, you know, move to another situation is when we feel like, well, what's the point? You know, I put in all this effort, all this time. I went above and beyond. I did two jobs because someone we were short staffed or four jobs or whatever. I think people work around the clock. Um, and then it's like, you know, the next day there's a message that, okay, we need more out of people. People aren't productive enough. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, let's, let's not make a blanket statement until we figure out what's actually getting in the way. And so what's getting in the way is what I like to work on with teams, right? Is saying, okay, is there a lack of understanding of how to get things done? Are we not clear on what the deliverable is? Is there accountability issue? And so that's, that's really um, what the focus of my work is now. Yeah, people are stuck, and yeah. that's why unstuck is so important work. I, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I I wasn't lost on the name of it because when I, I see unstuck, and that's basically what a lot of organizations are is they are stuck. They're stuck in the ways they said this is how it's always been done, mm-hmm. or they can't. Even though we've had to be agile and pivot and all the things that we have done in the last two years, and I agree with you. I think the People that have been working over the last couple of years, the frontline workers, medical, the people that risk their lives every day to those of us that were able to work remotely, but still navigating, okay, how do I do this? I'm a caregiver now. What do I do about this? Why are my kids still here? Aren't they supposed to be in school? Oh, wait a minute. They're, they're still here. Okay. And all the things that were thrown at us. Everyone rose to the occasion and productivity, as you see in some stats, increased quite a bit. So organizations say, oh, we got that much out of them. Let's get out more. We're not robots. Yeah, We're human beings. Um, and even I saw an article that was shared on LinkedIn uh, the other day regarding increased employee monitoring. And I'm thinking, mm. okay. And I, and I have conversations with management teams and all of that all the time. And they say, well, we just don't trust our employees. They're going to work all the time and they're going to do their job. And I said, so you don't trust your employees? No. So then you need to fire them right now. And they go, 
I can't fire them right now. We need them. They're too good. Wait, you don't trust them, but they're too good and you love what they're doing. Um, make a decision. You're, you're confusing yourself because it's, it's the self-talk that is in these managers' heads that is creating that environment. Because The reason they don't trust somebody is they're afraid that they're going to get called out if something happens. There's ways to keep track of people. It's called give them clear guidelines, give them the tools they need to do their job, get out of their way and let them do their job. Exactly. And so that this is the number one thing I talk about with teams is the the solution to all your problems is accountability, which is what you just spelled out. I mean, when you have, you know, when you treat people like owners and you have clear expectations and you've defined what success looks like, that's it. Like then if the stuff gets done, there's no, it, it, you, it, you instantly start seeing the work transform. And, and when you treat someone like an own, owner, they, they often, way more often than not, will step into that role and they will, they will surprise you and they will over deliver because they have a sense of, Hey, like I, I, you know, they have a stake in it. And so I think, yeah, I would say anyone that's struggling with feeling like, you know, like you said, it, we don't trust someone's often because we're getting a lot of pressure from our manager and we're worried, you know, like there's kind of a lot of top sound of, if I don't know, if I don't control every single aspect of this, will it come back and invite me? And again, that's resolved with accountability and in both directions, you know, sharing, I think we can manage up by saying, hey, you know, this is how I'm managing my team. These are some of the things that I'm developing in folks. Like this is some of the areas I'm having them stretch. These are the places I'm really, really more hands-on. And then we kind of communicate that same message down. And so there's just clarity and transparency in the way we're, we're running teams. Um, and I recognize there's situations that need a little bit more oversight and a little bit less, but it's, it's being really cognizant of having to, you know, ebb and flow and, and adjust this kind of management style as we go. So in your book, you talk a lot about, you know, again, getting people and organizations unstuck. And I love you know, how one of the lines is, you know, one of those people might be you. <laughs> and, you know, you know, like for me, you know, my burnout journey, everybody knew that I was burned out except me. And yeah. we uh, often really struggle being self-aware of our contribution to a situation in our work or home lives. And if we took a step back and looked, we'd go, okay, now what? So uh, when you're writing the book, is there a particular chapter or section uh, that really, I, I'm, you know, this is like trying to ask you to pick your favorite kid <laughs> kind of thing. Um, they're all my favorites, but um, yeah. there's, there's, you know, is there one section that you're like, okay, this is the one where if people get this, this is going to have a tidal wave of positive impact across organizations across the globe. Is there, is there a section or part that you're really proud of? Yeah. I mean, I would say for, for individuals and teams, I would say it's two different pieces. And so for, you know, the book is, um, it explores the first and foremost, the reasons that women can, can get stuck because that's my experience. What I, you know, kind of how how I navigated the workplace. But then I think anybody, it's the solutions that I share are practical to anybody. But I think the specific situation working as a woman in the corporate world or workplace in general is, you know, being subject to all of these biases and double standards and stereotypes throughout your whole life that then when you enter the workforce, you're like, well, hey, like I'm supposed to be this, but not this and this other thing and not this. And in one situation, I'm right. One situation, I'm wrong. That 
the we can start to you know form a lot of limiting beliefs about what we can do, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, and that's where I think we can start you know over identifying with these beliefs can can start getting in our way, and so I think the most um, a place that I've done the most most coaching and mentoring and personal growth around was um, reframing how uh, our beliefs around talking about our work and our impact. And I think a lot of folks that sort of were socialized to think good work, it's notice, keep your head down, don't say anything. Like the the product of that is you are kind of invisible in your organization, or you feel undervalued, or you feel overlooked, or you don't get chosen for a high impact opportunity. And so, I think the the most transformational on the individual level would be um, to to reframe believing talking about your work is bragging or nobody cares or whatever, and really really own that narrative around what you do. You know what is the result of it and why that matters to your organization. Right, not talking about your work as if you're listing a job description. Right, we all we can we all could look that up. No, not talking about your work just in the success of your organization because again, that's like knowledge anybody can find. But really connecting the dots, like this is my superpower. Here's what I what that resulted in my team, and this is how it moved forward the agenda of the organization. Like if we can get that story, we can nail any performance review. We can nail any job interview. You know, even with people looking at career pivots, we want to be able to connect the dots across our work to say, hey, and this can apply to this new situation. So I, 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 do, I just think that's the most important piece on the individual level. And then on the team level, it's definitely reframing accountability. So I just talked about that. I mean, I think if we can empower organizations to treat uh, their their teams as owners, so reframing accountability from feeling like it means punishment or blame or, or tops down, you know, hierarchy, micromanagement to ownership, and then set ex- clear expectations, you will see your teams transform. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you have an employee that. It feels like that they are taking ownership in their role. They're going to show up and they're going mm-hmm. to do everything possible. When I first entered into healthcare, I was a healthcare executive and I took that startup and treated it as if it was my own that I put my own investment in, which I did my time and effort mm-hmm. because I wanted it to be successful because the impact for the community, what it was going to do, bringing in the right people. And, you know, that was an organization that I started at, this would have been 15 years ago now. Yikes. 15 years ago this month, I just, just dawned on me. It's been that long. I tell you what, like my dad told me, you get your driver's license, life goes really fast after that. And it's not because you're driving fast, it's just life goes. But the, the majority of the people that I hired for that startup healthcare clinic are still there 15 years later. I'm not, but they are. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, okay, well, I, for once I, I recruited right. Now, usually the people that I hire tend to stay or they get promoted into a, a better organization or better role. And it, it's because, you know, I have those conversations and I always create an environment. It's like, this is ours. What do we want to do with it? And instead of here's this, I pay you. No, no one wants to do with that anymore. And I think that's why everybody's moving around as much as they are over the last year anyways, with the great resignation and all of that is because people are like, no, I don't, that's not the environment I want to be in. I want to be in an environment that's different. So organizations, if your environment is like the the former and you shall do this and shall not do this, you might want to rethink things uh, because you're going to be losing some top talent if you haven't already. 
Yeah, exactly. And like you say, it's not, um, you, you often don't lose the people that you want to, you know what I mean? You lose the, you know, I think the highest performers, the 10 Xers are people that want autonomy and that want to be treated as owners, like you said. And that's, I think, what's such a, you know, disconnect between, um, you know, what we say and what we do sometimes in the workplace. Like, hey, I want the most, you know, highest output and, and, you know, best quality work. And then we can impose things that result in the opposite. Um, I think um, I, w- I, I heard on a, a podcast recently, like the, it's been talked, it's always talked about like the negative consequence of having um, unlimited vacation days, right? For me, you know, I've been fortunate, obviously you're running my own company. I, I also have unlimited vacation. I could take off as much time as I want, but the impact I know will will not be positive if I don't come to work at all. And we are, everyone is a creator. Everyone has the ability to create. So the work you do is actually creating things with the skills that you have. And you don't want to shortchange that. doesn't mean you should be working 54 weeks a year. Uh, for those of you that don't know, 52 weeks is the normal, just it's a weird example. But at the end of the day, you know, yes, you need to take time off and take time off that makes sense. But if you're all in this ownership type of environment, then basically you're going to feel accountable. Yeah, And I know that's a big hammering point that you you make in the book. You're going to feel accountable to your owner partners, which is another way to say coworkers and employer, because you're going to want to do well and you're not going yeah. to want to miss things. So it's it's ebbs and flows and you have to figure out what makes sense for you and, and for your team as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, the example I was thinking of, I remember you were sharing, it was... Um, assuming when you have unlimited like sick time or things like that, that people are taking advantage. And it's, you know, when, when in companies, when you went from unlimited to um, fixed amount of times, people actually take more because they feel like, Hey, this person didn't trust me to manage my own time. And I think as you're saying, you know, if we, if we all know what the expectations are, what success looks like, how to advance in our careers, then there's a most situations, many situations where we can do that on our own timetable. Like if it's not getting in the way of, you know, the, the ball moving forward uh, across team, I think it's when we have teams that are very interdependent and they require, you know, a lot of handoffs, then yeah, that should be done within figuring out what's the right setup. But, you know, if you, you know, figure out how to, get everything done to take a four week vacation, then that's awesome. Or every Friday, because you have, you know, you get your work done in the, the, you know, other four days or whatever hours that you're working because you're more productive in certain hours of the day. Um, you know, once we really find, okay, we're all really clear on what success looks like, then it, there should be a world where everybody can be way more flexible. And I think um, a lot of the conversation on flexibility, especially from folks like Adam Grant, um, organizational psychologist, is that flexibility goes beyond, you know, physically where I work, right? I think that's where it sort of started the conversation of, oh, flexible work is hybrid or, or work from home, but it has to do with, you know, a lot more of the times we work, we just talked about vacation, sick policy. It has to do with, you know, um, synchronous versus asynchronous communication. There's a lot of different ways that we can bring that in the fold. 
And if people are asking for flexibility, they might not mean that in the same way you're interpreting it. So we want to really unpack that too. Yeah, getting clear on the communication has always been a challenge and always opportunities for improvement. That's yeah. for sure. So Leah, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this amazing work you do? Yeah. So check out my website at leahgarvin.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, my, I will be launching a course on the Maven platform in a few weeks, um, the Unstuck Career Accelerator. So this is specifically diving into some of those topics, including talking about our impact, um, um, really unpacking some strategies to move our careers faster. Um, or yeah, and check out my book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold. Again, it's called Unstuck. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Leah, thank you again so much for your time today. Really appreciate you. And congratulations again on the book and the new course. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.